the Flipside Podcast. On today's episode of the Flipside Podcast, you can't be more vulnerable talking about having a panic attack when you're dating a girl and you're laying in the bed together in the middle of the night and you're having a panic attack. Totally. I mean, trust me, totally. Yeah. It, it doesn't get more vulnerable than that, you know? I mean, it, it just, that's the type of stuff that really is going to make people feel like, hey, you know, if he can get through that, then I've got a chance to really make some strides in a positive way. Here we are kicking off episode three of the Flipside podcast. This is our part two of our Protect Your Mental Health series entitled Being Vulnerable. But we're going to hear from a very intense person that has dealt with panic attacks for a long period of time. And it's not easy to talk about these topics among men, but more specifically men and their feelings of masculinity, feeling that they have to be the protector stereotypes of being in charge, being the head of the household. I I grew up in the 80s, and it was a time where the music was amazing and incredible. Artists would talk about their feelings and communicate their emotions through songs. Cartoons was considered screen time, It mostly took place on Saturday mornings. You're watching your Saturday morning cartoons. Young boys like myself were influenced by characters that were masculine. And they would say different phrases. There were always cartoons that had different one-liners. had a never-say-die attitude. One shall stand, one shall fall. And there's a difference growing up in the 80s because there was a lot of different songs and feelings that were out there, but we never really had that space to talk about our feelings. And when you watch those cartoons, they never really talked about feelings. If you were a male character, if you were the hero, you know, you kind of had to put on your cape, go to work, and get things done. And there wasn't that space to communicate. And you flip now to the present day where there's a lot of cartoons and a lot of children's programs where, you know, the cartoon characters, they they do a much better job communicating their feelings when facing challenges. No friends? No party? (sighs) Color me blue. I'm so sad. Or when they're frustrated and when they have to be able to share the frustrations that they feel. When you're frustrated, like I am, because I can't do what I want to do. When you're feeling frustrated, take a step back and ask for help. Watching He-Man and Transformers for me is much different than my children when they watch Daniel Tiger or Charlie's Colorform City. Our guest today is going to share his strength about his ability to be vulnerable 
and tell his story of dealing with panic disorder. He was diagnosed seven years ago and has developed a lifestyle and a routine that helps him cope and deal with panic attacks that he's sometimes, in certain points in his life, faced on a daily basis. He also discusses the stigmas and the labels about being a man, particularly a strong Italian man, who has the sensibility and the openness to be vulnerable about his anxiety and the panic attacks that he's dealt with and still faces today. It's with great pleasure that I present my conversation with Billy Marinelli. Billy, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Just try to give us an understanding of you know who you are and introduce yourself. Tell us about a few interesting things about yourself, Billy. All right. So uh, I'm 31. Just bought a house recently. Well, time kind of flies by now, but uh, about like 10 months ago, me, my fiance, and her and her son. I work at Westchester University. I work at a convenience store solely. Well, I run it, but it's so we, we only hire autistic adults that are enrolled in Westchester. It's the uh, only, it's really the only school that does something like that in the nation. That might change soon, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Last, so basically the last 10 years of my career, I've been working with either children with autism or adults with autism. So that's basically my career now. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a nice Italian family. You know, respect, loyalty, that type of stuff is very very big in our family i grew up basically learning you know treat people with respect and you get it back and you'll always be there for people that you care about and they'll be there there back from you so that type of stuff is very important to me cool very good appreciate that we're very excited to have you on the pod obviously the topic is a very sensitive one uh, that you have dealt with in the terms of uh, specifically not necessarily talking about mental health but for your case specifically panic attacks uh, and kind of just talking about what it's been like for you and your journey. So we're excited to hear, you know, what your journey's been like. Uh, could you give us an idea uh, about when the first time that you realized that something serious was going on as you were dealing with panic attacks? About seven years ago is when I started getting hit with them real bad. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I had two very, very bad episodes of what I later on learned were panic attacks during work and the first one i thought it was early in the morning i was dizzy i had this sensation rushing my body like something's wrong i need help as fast as possible what's going on it's really the first real panic attack i ever had mm-hmm. and later i actually went to the hospital and i and i thought it was i was dehydrated or something and then okay. two weeks later it happened the same exact thing happened again and that's when doctors my physician kind of dove into it like hey what's going on and that's when they, we realized that we're probably having an episode of a panic attack. So it's probably, that's probably when I first started realizing something's going on. Well, the first couple weeks, I remember just losing my mind. I just, I had no idea what was going on with my body. I was shaking. I was scared of everything. I didn't know if like I was dying, if I was having a heart attack or, or they were going to put me in like an insane asylum because I was breaking down. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, it was pretty scary. Did you feel like you kind of lost control of everything that was happening or like give us a remember definitely initially and at least at minimum the first four to six months I was fighting this where I just I wouldn't say lost control but I was holding on for control and I had just I had no idea what was going on with me like this is something that I've never had to 
problems with. I was always like a very laid back person who who didn't at least think he got stressed out too easily. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden this hit me and I, I feel like I was holding on for your life. Yeah. So physically, could you give us a sense and describe like what happens during a panic attack? What is that? What is that experience like physically and mentally? So physically, I definitely, what I do is that I definitely kind of, I sit down, I go into a corner and I just like definitely, there's definitely some sweating most usually, but it, definitely panic attack. It's more mental. It's more like your nervous system is in a different reality than your brain. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, I, all of a mm -hmm. sudden this crazy sensation of fight or flight kind of hits you all at once out of nowhere. And it's like your nervous system feels like you're about to go get into a fist fight with Mike Tyson, where yeah. your brain is like, hey, you're watching TV in, the, in your living room. What's going on? When you're having a panic attack, do you feel like you're more anxious about what's going on around you? Or do you kind of block out everything that's happening around you? Um, at first, it was more I was anxious about what's going on around me, like what's going on. I don't want anyone to see me go nuts. Mm -hmm. It's more like I go in a corner somewhere or like I, I sit down by myself in a room and I'm just trying to, you know, it takes 30 seconds to five minutes to calm myself down. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine the feeling because you have that sense of, oh my gosh, like this is intensifying, but then also too, you feel that sense of urgency about the people viewing you, especially if you're in public and you don't have that sense of like, wow. What's going on with me? Could you talk about the connection between feelings of anxiety and panic attacks? Sure. I would say that, you know, I was definitely, I was diagnosed with panic disorder. And I do think that most of the time anxiety or it comes along with it because, you know, it's sometimes it's twofold. You have anxiety about having a panic attack mm -hmm. or you're having a panic attack because of anxiety type of thing. I think I'll, sometimes I'll have a panic attack and I wake up in the middle of the night for no reason and my heart's racing and I freak out for like 10 seconds. But other times I could have a panic attack over something that I'm kind of like smoldering about and it's coming, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you know, my, my head, it's like that metaphor of steam blown out your head, like an old school cartoon. And sometimes mm -hmm. that builds and that happens too. And that turns into a panic. When were you officially diagnosed with uh, panic disorder? I would say probably, probably pretty quick. If, if, if they're like, the second or third episode, because the first two episodes were at work. And it was, you know, no matter who you are, it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. You know, because people look at you, you like, you don't know what's going on. You know, like, and then obviously I'm having all this, because like all these eyes are on me, like they think I'm crazy, I'm losing my mind. So I kind of wanted to get the issue addressed as fast as possible. So I remember I went to my PCP and I went to a psychiatrist. And then that's pretty much when they said, you know, we're going to set you up with a therapist now you know, we're diagnosing you with panic disorder. So it was pretty quick because I kind of wanted it resolved. What year was that that you were diagnosed? 2013. Okay. So it's been, it's been quite some time, right? Obviously. Yeah. What you, you mentioned that you felt embarrassed. Um, can you talk more about that? I think when I was embarrassed because I guess when it first happened, I was either 30 or 24, 25, and, you know, when you're a younger guy, you know, you, you know, you're always taught not to show too much emotion or, or, you know, suck it up or don't like, you know, if you're having like a nervous breakdown, it's a sign of weakness. Plus it's just, you know, I was embarrassed because it's like, am I going insane? Like, you know, what is going on with my body right now? So there's a lot of pressure that goes along, at least back in 2013, 
a lot of stigma and stuff that went along with having panic attacks that, you know, some negative connotations, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like you're fighting two things. You have the fact that you're having a panic attack, you know, which is a critical situation in itself, but then there's the outlook of you being a person and being judged and viewed by other people who are feeling like they may have certain misconceptions or certain ideas about you because you're having a panic attack. I think the, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, some people say, you know, some people don't care what people think. Some people say they don't care and they really do care, but either way, most people are aware of what people are saying. Right. And I think to my face, a lot of people were supportive of me. You know, nobody's, you know, you're not going to come across anyone that's going to, you know, belittle you while you're having a panic attack. But I also, at the same time, have heard plenty of people downplay panic, panic attacks in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I know what, I do know what, what a lot of people do think about panic attacks, even if though, if they haven't said it to my face, I know it's kind of like one of those things where if you've never had a panic attack, you completely downplay it as like, right. as something that it's not. Yeah. Let's explore that for a little bit. So if I was to say, you know, I have asthma. And I carry my inhaler with me. You know, I, I'm, it's obviously not uh, something that could be uh, an issue, but I have an inhaler that I take with me, right? If I have asthma and I suffer an asthma attack, I would think, and I'm, let me know if you agree, that most people would see that as, okay, the person has asthma, they have their inhaler, their inhaler they're, they're dealing with it. Why do you think that that's accepted so much more than having an anxiety attack or a panic attack. I guess those types of things, you know, you, you have asthma, it's visual that you have asthma, and then you take medicine for it and you're better. It's kind of like, you know, asthma is like a medical condition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those asthma, diabetes, anything, those are like, those are medical conditions. Okay. But a panic attack, if you don't do your research, I felt like it's, it's something as if that's like, like a personal issue. Like you need to suck that, like you need to suck it up and deal with it. Or if someone who has a panic attack is someone who can't deal with, with, with stress or someone who can't, who isn't tough enough to deal with everyday life that comes your way. Sure. So because it falls under that realm or that idea around mental health, you think that it's viewed differently by society? Uh, for sure. Yeah. Do you believe that society takes issues with mental health seriously, or do you think that they're kind of brushing it off? I mean, I think in the last several years, there's been an extreme advancements in that, in, in that department. I think people now than ever, more than ever take that type of stuff seriously because people are so are, are opening up more, more about it. And it's kind of like a circle. More, more people are talking about it. So you see more, more people talking about it. And then, you're feel, and then you feel comfortable talking about it as well. And then you become more educated about it because you're, you're hearing about it. Where it may, maybe before a panic attack was no one really knew what it was unless you had it. So they just figured somebody was too stressed to deal with everyday life. Do you think that there were times when you had to share what was going on with you and people were dismissive of it in regards to your panic attack? I think, you know, kind of like before I said, I think they weren't, but they might have behind my back. And I got a couple of friends who like, what, who have questioned, like, what's a panic attack? What does that even mean? Like, let's go, like, move on from this. You know, you know, I've dated girls before that have kind of been like, all right, come on, let's get together here. Let's not have this ruin our day. Like, kind of dismissive in the point of like, they don't understand how hard it is mm -hmm. to move past that mental block. And that's, that's, yes, but no one's belittled me or like made fun of me for it. No. So what was that like? Well, it definitely made me 
feel crazy. Like you, like, like these people are right. Like what's going on? Why can't I get over this? You know, like, like I, I believed them when they said like, you, you need to get over this. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. Let's move on here. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, you're right. Like it is me. Like I'm losing my mind. And honestly, it made everything worse. So being as though you were diagnosed, what was that? You said 2013, right? Yeah. Okay. Around so there, now here, here we are. Uh, it's 2020. Kind of give us an idea of, you know, what works well for you when you're trying to get a handle on your panic attack. So real quickly, can I go over like the medicine I took and everything? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing they did was kind of like as like a kind of like a quick answer was they gave me um, Xanax. And that kind of works as if like you're having a really bad episode. Mm-hmm. You take this just, you know, as an emergency. And that kind of works like a switch. It, you know, if anyone's heard of Xanax, most people know it probably works a little too well and it can be addicting. Okay. So that's something that I luckily, you know, I, I, I had it, I, I never got too attached to it because I had it in my pocket for like the first six months mm-hmm. and that was kind of like my lifesaver, but I kind of knew not to take too much of it because it really worked. Okay. And that's, you know, that, that's kind of the dangerous part of the medication part. And then, and then about six months into it, I realized like, Hey, I can't just take a Xanax every time I, I have a panic attack. I need to do something that prevents them. So then I went on Zoloft. And for the first couple of weeks, it was really, really, really tough because your body has to get used to it. Okay. So it was like I was having a panic attack like every hour. It was horrible. And then after about two weeks, it clicked and it worked pretty well. But I was only on that for like a year and a half because it did, did have some some side effects that I didn't want to deal with at the time. So the last couple of years, I've just been, you know, no medication, just just trying to just kind of managing it as as it happens. And I've been getting better and better with it. Nice. That's good. Do you feel as though it's worked better for you without the medication because you've kind of developed more, you know, mental confidence or kind of, you know, reached the point where you feel more comfortable diagnosing what works for you as a, as a person individually? I think that it works. I mean, I feel I'm proud that, I don't, that I'm not on medication because, you know, like I, I like that I, I like the feeling that I can handle it naturally, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't. I would never um, put, you know, dismiss anyone who was on medication for it because the medicine Zoloft did work. I mean, it prevented panic attacks. I, I I probably had a couple panic attacks in that year and a half. I just didn't want to be strapped down by medicine because you know, as time goes on, you have to up the dose because your body gets used to it, and it's not something that I wanted to continue on. But after about a year and a half, and I had a couple of therapy sessions in there that kind of helped me out as well. I felt strong enough to do it. So tell us more about the, the therapy part of your treatment. Sure. The biggest thing that I got out of the therapy sessions, which, which I do every day now, every, well, not every day, but every time I have a panic attack is, is the, my therapist at the time, she was a woman. She told me, if you're having a panic, attack, just a panic attack, just stop and remember you've had this sensation before it, it wasn't a heart attack. Your lungs aren't closing up on you. You don't need to go to the hospital. You had this sensation before. It's just a panic. And that sounds like very easy to think. But if you never heard that before and you're not practicing that, it's it's like it's it's crazy to you because now every time I have a panic attack, I go, all right, I know what this is. This will be over in 30 seconds in a minute. I know that like all you have to do is just wait it out, breathe, and calm down. Where before it's like, oh my God, what is this? Like this is it. This is the ch- this is the time. Like something's going on. I have a pain in my chest. My 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 um 
my head's killing me or my throat's tightening up. And I, and I, I didn't know what to do because the sensation was so real. But after a couple of therapy sessions, I, I learned the tools, the thinking tools on how to beat it. I, I, I honestly, it, it's amazing, man. I, it sounds simple, but I've, I've never heard, you know, realer advice, you know, just about the whole situation. And, and I've looked at a lot of different articles and talked to a lot of different folks in, in preparation for our, 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 this podcast. I mean, that kind of really breaks it down and makes it, it it's simple but it's very impactful. Like you kind of need to just have that positive self-talk with yourself. It sounds like, but as an Italian, as an Italian man, you know, yeah, I am. you mentioned the, the, the strength and the confidence and, you know, being raised a certain way. Did, yes. Was that, yeah. was that difficult for you to kind of say, okay, I'm going to attend therapy sessions and talk about my feelings. Yeah. Definitely. Needless to say, I didn't openly talk about how I went to therapy on social uh, outings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was amazingly difficult. You know, I, I grew up, you know, you know, playing sports, you know, doing guy like you know, typical quote unquote social norm like guy stuff, like mm-hmm. being, working out, doing this. So going to therapy is something that I would never thought I would ever have to go do. In fact, I used to make fun of it when I was a kid. Like, what do I need to go to therapy and tell people my problems for? I know my problems, but obviously. Uh, completely changed my mind about sure. it. Yeah. So, did you ever hide the fact that you had panic attacks from friends or any family members? Uh, when I, yeah, probably the first couple of years I did, yeah. Co- you know, it was for the first couple of years, so I was, extra sens- I was extra sensitive to it, but I was also a little bit younger. I was in my 20s, you know, I was single for some, most of it, so it was something that I felt, I did feel uncomfortable about it. Well, now that I'm in my 30s, and I'm settled down. I'm obviously much more mature. It, it, it's it's much easier to talk about. So, what kind of advice would you give to someone who was experiencing or dealing with panic attacks for the first time? Um, just in the very beginning, you know, I would say just make sure you have a good core of people around you that support you because that's really important. And you're going to have someone that that's there for you that understands what you're going for and that can have your back. Because a lot of times that that feeling of, of having of that, you know, nurturing for you really helps. Um, two, if you're addicted to coffee, you should stop drinking it at least for a little bit because coffee will make you have a day-long panic attack. Mm-hmm. I had to give up coffee for about a year and a half. That was tough for me to do. And just, you know, you try something. But if you're going to try something, make sure you stick to it for a little bit. Don't just try it one time or for a week. And then if it doesn't work, you give up. I wouldn't do that. And if somebody says, hey, want, and if you are going to try a medication, just make sure you stick with it for a couple of weeks because the first week will be tough because your body has to get used to it. But I would say if you do go down the road for medication, like a Zoloft or like an antidepressant, just that's okay. You know, a lot of people are on that. Do not feel embarrassed at all. Which I think is a huge, is a huge thing because you sharing your perspective, you sharing what you've had to deal with uh, speaks volumes. I mean, it's one thing when you hear something from, you know, a doctor or a therapist and any type of clinician is giving information. But when you hear someone who's kind of walked the walk, as you, as you want to say, or has gone through those steps and worked, I mean, you've been dealing with this, you know, for over five years, and you've kind of gotten to a place where it seems like it's working. I think that really makes a huge difference. So I applaud you and your ability to kind of you know, share your story as you put it. 
you are currently engaged to be married. I am. I congrats, am. Yep. congrats. Thank you very much. Yeah. How did you um how did you start those initial talks about panic attacks with your with your wife to be? How did that go? Well, one, I think it helped that we were you know, I don't want to say we're on the same level, but it helped that, that she knew where I was coming from, where where she had some panic attacks in her life so we could relate and she understood where I was coming from. And it's good just to be honest and be like, and I, you know, I told my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, hey, this is what I need from you, or this is what I look like when I have a panic attack. So just, you know, be on the lookout that if, if I'm doing this or I'm looking like this, just understand what's going on. So take, take us there. Take us there, right? You you are obviously you have feelings for this person, you know, you kind of yeah. doing something with them that's kind of deep and it, you know, very personal. What what happened? What was it like? You know, did you did you kind of sit her down? Were you having dinner? Like what took place? And then were you nervous about how she would react? Because obviously you mentioned she has some things that she has relatable experience regarding panic attacks. But before you didn't yeah. know that, right? You didn't know anything about, you know, you're just getting to know somebody. You know, you start to develop a strong comfort ability. The relationship's going great. And then you kind of got to drop this on them with this idea about you having panic attacks. I mean, how does that feel when you're kind of gearing up to have that talk? Well, um, you definitely, you hang yourself out there, you know, and you hope she catches you kind of thing. You're out there and she, and you're just hoping she accepts you and accepts the challenges that you have to deal with and hopefully she does wants the challenge to do it with you and luckily she was very very you know she was very on board with that i'm pretty though i'm pretty sure i didn't have much of a choice because i'm pretty sure the first time i had a panic attack in front, um in front of her was in the middle of the night and i woke up and we were together in the same bed and she looked at me and she didn't know what was going on right. you know i just told her like hey i'm having a panic attack and she kind of just comforted me put her arm around me you know try to you know kind of tried to make me laugh Right. and stuff like that that's great man. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's actually a beautiful thing do you think what do you think it is about you that makes you willing or just confident enough to speak openly about your personal challenges with in this case panic attacks but just mental health in general well the packets panic attacks probably because i feel confident enough that i have a little bit of a handle on it to speak mm -hmm. on it and also you know there's been a couple athletes that have come out and said hey i've panic i have panic disorder you know, it's not a joke. This is what it's like. And it's kind of just the social, socially in this country, we've kind of, we've kind of stepped it up in that area. Like we're more accepting, we're more understanding of mental health issues like that. And that, and that gives you confidence. You know, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to talk about mental health about yourself when you know that people are going to accept that. So that, that, that came a long way as well. Okay. Uh, it, it just seems that as time has gone on, you've been able to try a number of different options. Uh, it, it's fantastic that you've been able to kind of reach this place, you know, where you feel not only uh, more at ease with your panic attacks, but uh, have reached a place of comfort where you can share what's going on with, with other people and in, in a public forum. And, you know, we're very excited to have you on the podcast. Any, any last words, things that you wanted to be able to say, you know, your kind of final statements here? Well, one, thank you very much for having me on the on the uh, the show. This is great. You know, I, I enjoy talking about it, and you know, and not to toot my own horn, but I have gone a long way, and it's because I've you know listened to other people and listened to their advice. So, on the flip side, I would to say that if you are are experiencing something, anything at all, don't be afraid to speak up or ask for help, and you know, don't be afraid to lean on 
you know, your loved ones and, and your closest friends and stuff, because those people will be there for you. Well said. And that's uh, the most important thing. Yeah. Very, very well said. That's awesome. So we'll wrap there. Uh, I want to thank you, Billy, for your time and, you know, we'll be in touch and hopefully, you know, we'll have you as a guest, hopefully to bring you in on some other topics here on the Flipside Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Flipside Podcast. Every Thursday, we will share a new episode primed with direct conversations and interviews about topics that challenge original thoughts. You can subscribe and download the Flipside Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Most importantly, we want to hear from you. So search for the Flipside Pod on Instagram to submit questions and suggest new topics. Until next time, I'm Ed Hill. And remember, conversations create change.